Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you so much for um, just your presence this morning. So grateful to gather and worship our great God. So thankful for the truths that we hear uh, in uh, worship this morning. And so grateful to be part of just such a great uh, faith family that uh, loves for and prays for one another. And Kevin and Jenny were sharing just the, the blessing uh, that you have been to them already, it's a it's a blessing uh, to see Miss Elise Sutton um, in the in the, our presence again this morning, and we're just so grateful for what God's been doing in, in your life, and so grateful to see that smiling face back there, and um, so many uh, things that we face in the midst of life, and it is such a blessing to be able to do that uh, together. Uh, I ask you to continue to remember Mike Deals and and his family uh, this morning. Uh, continuing just to pray for God's touch for uh, him as well and uh, so many others. Uh, there's, it, it's one of those things that days like today remind me of the tension that we see in the midst of this life of so many uh, good things, but then the, the difficulties and the challenges and the, just the dynamics that we walk through in the midst of this broken world. You know, yesterday we uh, see our, our so many of our, our students that are graduating or graduated yesterday, and you're thinking about you know what's uh, what's next for them. What are the the things that are happening in the future? And then we we think about their dreams and what uh, the Lord is uh, just has planned for them, and and praying that they will walk in um, just obedience uh, to Him, and that He'll reveal those things. And we we think about just all those things uh, in our lives. Sherry was was. Uh, watching some of the graduation, and she's looked at me, and she's like, oh, my goodness, there's just two more of these, and then it's hope. And so we're reminded also in moments like these of just how fast life really moves. It's just a, a blink. Um, this morning, we're kind of in between uh, sermon series, and we uh, normally preach just verse by verse through books of Scripture, and in between some of that, I want to take a, a little time in, in navigating some of the questions that, um, that really are maybe the greatest questions that, uh, that people have. And one of those questions really comes to like, what is the meaning of all this? What am I here for? You know, if you look and just search that on the internet, you'll find, uh, I think in just a, a, a generic search, I found more than a billion results of answers to that question. What is our purpose? What are we here for? What is the meaning of all this? And as we ask that question, we're going to look today in Ecclesiastes chapter number one. My heart just kept stirring back to that passage uh, toward the end of the week and and just this thought and, and really the the question of what is the meaning of life. And we're going to see that uh, this has been a question for a long time time. Now, there's a lot of answers that this world might give us, right? The, the hedonist would say, hey, you know what? It's to have the most amount of pleasure with the least amount of pain, that, that, our, that, that, that what all this is about is just to try to enjoy life as much as you can and just uh, try to avoid uh, illness, try to do whatever, but just to have fun, and that's really it. So much of our country would say, hey, you know what? It's uh, about gaining things, right? The materialist would say, if you can get enough stuff, then you're going to find purpose in those things, right? There's a, 
a, a lie that so much of our culture has bought into that, right, the goal of this life or maybe the purpose of this life is somehow to fulfill the American dream, right? We think about the American dream that, that we would gain all of these things and then at some point after we've gained all these things that we would stop working and that we would find ourselves uh, able to just spend time enjoying those things. I thank God for uh, the way that he works in so many of our folks where instead uh, of doing that, that when they're able to retire and able to have more time that they say, you know what, what can I do for the kingdom of God? What can I use my time now and the blessings that God has given me to bless others? But in this world, that is a common thing. If you were to look in those billion search results or you were to pull up in Amazon and try to find all the books that you could find about it, you could find a bunch of things that I would call self-help books that would say, you know what, you can figure out what your purpose is by reading uh, this book. And fact is, many of those books say you can create uh, your purpose. And, and, the, and the goal of that book is to teach you how to develop your purpose and your plan and your thing. Maybe some people would say, hey, the purpose of this life is to leave this world in a better place than when I came in. And so I'm going to live my life in, in some way, and I'm going to better things in some way. Maybe it's in uh, success that, that we say, hey, if I uh, reach a certain height in my work environment or in, in those kind of things. But here's the truth that I want you to see today, that you've been made by God and for God, and that you've been created on purpose for a purpose. And we're going to look today at what that is. And in in the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to begin with this question, and this is a question that, uh, that Solomon, the author of this book, is going uh, to let us see, and we're going to find out what he learned in his life. Let's pray, and we'll jump into God's Word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the truth of your Word. God, we thank you for, Lord, the wisdom that we're going to see in Lord, just a few verses today as we look and ask that question, what are we here for? Where will we find joy? Where will we find fulfillment? Where will we find satisfaction? What do you have us here for? And God, I pray, Lord, that in the power of your spirit, God, that you might speak to us through the power of your word, God, and that you might allow us to walk out with a, a, a kingdom perspective, Lord, that we might live for the glory of your name. Father, we pray, God, for Lord, many that need your special touch around our community, around this world. Father, but we ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. God, those that are gathered in this room, God, those that are gathered through technology. And God, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to live for something greater than ourselves, Lord, that we would live for the glory of your name. And God, may we do it with joy that's found only in you. And we ask this in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, we see this verse start out and it says, the words of the preacher. And uh, sometimes this book is even referred to by this uh, translation of this name in Hebrew. It's Kohith. Kohith. Ah. I can't even pronounce it. I, we'll just call him the preacher. It's a lot better. 
And it's this word, though, in Hebrew that, that gives this picture. When you look at the word Ecclesiastes, it's from a word in Greek, the ekklesia, which is the, uh, the church, right? And so it's this picture of this preacher, and he's sharing something, right, with a congregation of people. The word gives uh, the impression in the Hebrew of this thought of even philosophy or uh, just this wisdom or this thought. And so it's more of a perspective of not this prophet that's saying all these things to be declared, but this, this reasoning and this, this perspective and this bringing up of, of all these things things that he has learned in life. And he says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And, and so it gives us our author. It tells us our, uh, our author. And so if you're, if you're looking on down in verse 12 of that chapter, you see the preacher having been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And we see this is referring to Solomon. And most scholars would agree uh, with that. And so here he is after a time where he's wandered from God, uh, after a time where uh, God has removed his hand of blessing from him, after a time where the, the failures in his life and the things he's done has, has resulted in his kingdom being divided. In, in those kind of things, it's this final work really of him, of Solomon, and maybe he's written it, and maybe part of his purpose, maybe perhaps it was so that his son Jeroboam could 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 learn and grow in, in spiritual wisdom from these things, or or, or as we think of it, just the inspiring word of God that that God would want us to see that the things that so many times we strive for in this life will never fulfill. And here's this overarching truth that you would see throughout the book of Ecclesiastes that apart from God, life under the sun is meaningless. Look in verse 2. He says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Nearly 40 times in this book, we see this word. It's havel in Hebrew, and it's this, this picture, and I, I don't know if you can see this, but I've got a little essential oil thing up here. Let's see what's in there. It's made for a purpose. If it's got lavender in it, it's supposed to put you to sleep. If it's got thieves in it, it's supposed to sanitize. I'm learning. Like, my wife's teaching me about all these things. But what you see in there is a little mist that comes up. And this word in Hebrew, this is the picture of what this word would mean. It, it's literally like a breath or a vapor. It's, it's this picture of a puff of, of smoke right, rising from a, a, a steam, right, that maybe a hot breath on a cold morning where it's just there for a second. And it's hard to get a hold of and it's hard uh, to grasp. It's a picture of maybe... Uh, when you've blown a bubble, you know, and you see that bubble come up and there's this, this emptiness inside of that. And all of a sudden that bubble pops and it's gone. It's that picture of emptiness. And, and Solomon writes and he says, vanity of vanity. It's this overemphasis of it. And he says, meaningless, meaningless, vanity, vanity. You know, we think about this vapor. James would teach us that life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away that we're only here for a short time. We see that in this book. We see, and we're not going to read all of these verses, but in verse 4, Solomon writes, he says, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets. He sees all of these things, and the reality is that time is moving, that our kids are growing up, and that we're growing older, and there's all these things that are happening, but the, the earth just keeps on spinning, and our existence, my existence, just a vapor. Through this book, you see this reality that not only is time moving fast, but that all of us die, that all of us face death. 
And the reality of this book, as you read it, it's almost organized, in my opinion, uh, there's probably some scholars that can break this thing down in a lot of structure and all that, but to me, it's almost like somebody wrote it on Monday morning, they were kind of aggravated, and there's just like a lot of stuff in there, like it's all over the place, and it gives us this perspective that there's so much of life that is unpredictable, there's so much that we don't expect, so many things that come at us in so many different ways. And Solomon asked this question in verse 3. He says, what advantage? And this word advantage, it means benefit or uh, this profit. What yield? And he says, what advantage does man have in all his work, which he does under the sun? And throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll see those words under the sun. We'll see that thought of, of apart from God and under the sun and in the purposes of this world. What does it profit like all these things that we do? And people feel that so many times. They say, what is the meaning of all this? We get quotes from Ecclesiastes like there's nothing new under the sun. We've all heard that, right? Verse 9 of chapter 1 uh, gives us that uh, reminder. And he says, that which has been and is that which will be, and that which will be done is that which will be Done. So there is nothing new under the sun. You know, history repeats itself. Some of the clothing that maybe you had, uh, some of you 20 years ago, it might be back in style right now. Like, I, I was looking the other day and I saw these young people with mullets. Like, they're coming back. Like, it's been, like, like I could put on a hat and grow a mullet and y'all think I had a big head of hair, right? <laughs> Sherry's not up for that. She likes ball guys now. Um, <laughs> She used to, it's kind of like the way the Lord wanted it. She used to like like muscular guys with a lot of hair. Not anymore. Bald, a little chunky right now. That's her, that's her thing. Um, just how the Lord's working. Right? But, but here's the truth. Like all these things, there's nothing new under the sun. And the same problems that Solomon wrote about are the same things that we face. There's technology and there's all these things that have advanced us in so many ways. But at the root of it all, there's nothing new under the sun. English preacher John Wesley preached through this book and he wrote this quote in his journal. And he said, never before had I so clear a sight either of its meaning or beauties. Neither did I imagine that the several parts of it were in so exquisite a manner connected together, all tending to prove the grand truth that there is no happiness outside of God. You know, life can be tough, but even in its greatest success, it does not provide happiness. People that seem to have everything, celebrities that seem to have attained all that you could imagine. We find committing suicide. We find miserable. We find coping. We look around this world and we find, in trying to find the meaning of life, people are so uh, hurting and, and coping with all the wrong things, whether it uh, be uh, alcohol or drugs or uh, all these different things. And we're trying to figure out how somehow in the midst of this life that we can find fulfillment. Sometimes the things that we're striving for, they're not necessarily bad, but we're trying to get something from them that they are unable to give. You know, sometimes when uh, marriages walk through difficult times, we sometimes will see spouses that are trying to find their fulfillment and their identity and their satisfaction and to be all those things from a spouse, right? When the only place that those things can be found is in Christ. And we've got to be careful that we don't try to get something out of things that they are not designed to give. And fact is, we're going to see that God has made them in such a way in the midst of this broken world where they cannot satisfy 
Psalm 37 would remind us that God's purposes last eternally, that his purposes uh, are forever, and that in our lives, can I tell you that God loves you and he has made you to live forever. He has made us to last forever. Scriptures would would tell us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that that our creator uh, made us in the image of God, that he created us in his image to bring him glory, to reflect his glory, to declare his glory. And here's this truth. If we live for life under the sun, it's all going to fall short. It's all going to fade out. It's all going to vanish away, and it will never satisfy but over the sun. See, this is the good news that we're going to see today in God's Word, that over the sun we find meaning, and we find purpose, and we find joy, and we find fulfillment. Isaiah 43, uh, we see uh, just speaking of Israel, but in verse 7, he gives us this this reminder, and he says, everyone who is called by my name and who I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. He says, listen, they're made for a purpose. You've been created for his glory. I'm going to read a few verses in Colossians chapter one, and they're not going to be on the screen, but just, and just the, the thought of just the incomparable Christ, like the the God that spoke this world into existence. Scripture says this, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, and then we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He's the image of the invisible God, right? The first one of all creation for by him. And notice this, it said for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, Notice these words. He says, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He goes on, and he says that that he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. That hymn that we read in that is Christ. And in Christ, we find peace. We find fulfillment. And we are created to bring him glory. We are created by him and for him. And and the beauty of the way God has made us is that when we live our lives for something outside of ourselves and when we live our lives for the glory of his name, we find joy and we find peace and we find contentment and we find a fulfillment that is beyond anything than we could ever imagine. And how do we bring him glory? When we trust Jesus and we live as followers of Jesus Christ, the scripture would tell us that our good works bring him glory. Matthew 5, 16, says uh, that we are to let our light shine before men uh, in such a way that they may see our good works. And notice this, we sometimes we can get hung up on trying to do these good things, but we want the credit. But it's this picture that would say that we would live our lives, that our light would shine in such a way that, that our good works, that they would shine light on the glory of God, that it would glorify our Father who is in Heaven. Ephesians 2.10 says we're his workmanship, his poem, right? That we're created in Christ Jesus. And so if you are in Christ Jesus, then God is doing something in you. And in Christ, he's created you for good works that he has prepared beforehand, the scripture says, so that we would walk in them. 
It's our good works, right? That's one way that we as followers of Jesus Christ, as we serve one another, as we love one another, as we live for him, we see that our good works bring him glory and we find joy in those things. Good servants display his glory. So good works display his glory, but good servants, 1 Peter 4, verse 10 and 11, he says, as each one has received a spiritual gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Verse 11, whoever speaks is to do it as one speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. By the way, if you're saying, you know what, I am not equipped to walk in the places that God has me. I don't know uh, that I could be useful. Could God use my life uh, for good in the midst? It it is not up to you, but he says that anyone who is in Christ, he's a new creature, that old things are passed away and that all things become new. It says the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. And if you notice right here, he says that, that it is one who serves by the strength which God supplies. And if you'll ask God, you say, God, I want to be used for you. God, I want you to use me to bring you glory. I want to tell you something. God will answer that prayer and he will give you strength in those moments so that in all things, right? And this is what our purpose and goal is, right? That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And you could fill in the blank. Good workers, good students, good uh, whatever that is, right? Colossians 3, we read uh, these words, right? In verse 23, whatever you do, do your work heartily. So wherever you're at and whatever you're doing, all of a sudden the things that so many times all the people in this world would look at and they would say, you know what, I can't find meaning in that. I don't find purpose in that. I'm struggling in that. I'm, I'm working and I'm toiling. And, and man, there's some futility in that, right? And our kids, they don't want to be bored. And so it's a constant thing of what am I going to fill my time with and what am I going to do with this? And we think, you know what, the, the nine to five and the grind of every day and we lose the sight of some of the purpose in all of those things. But in Christ, when you're doing that and you're working for something greater than yourself and you're saying, hey, you know what? When I go to school and when I'm engaging in my class or when I'm at work, I'm not doing that uh, simply to earn a paycheck, but I'm working for the Lord. And I'm doing that in such a way that people might look at my life and see something different and that it might glorify God. And when that happens, right, everything changes. C.T. Studd, one of my favorite quotes, he said, only one life will soon be but only what's done for Christ will last. And that's the, the, the blessing that we see in the midst of this crazy world. And, and here's the truth. See, God has placed eternity in our hearts. That's something else that we learn in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 3, we see in verse 11 that he has made everything appropriate in his time. He has also set eternity in our, in their hearts. So, that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning to the end. And so here's this thought. We are created for eternity. God has set eternity in our hearts. We know, we look around, and, and, and people look around, and they say, you know what? There has to be more than this. Even those that have attained so many things, they have to look around, and they say, you know what? There has to be more than this. There has to be something greater than this. And maybe our mind goes to this thing and we say, well, why is it this way? Why is it that all the toil and all the labor, all the, the work that happens under the sun, why is it vanity? Why at the end of Solomon's office you say, no, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Right? Why, why, why is that picture there? And some of us might say, well, Satan uh, is trying to, um, you know, get us down the wrong track and all that. And, and there's some truth in that. Satan, I believe with all my heart, desires that we might try to seek fulfillment in the things of this world. And he knows that we will come up empty and all that. But Romans 8 gives us 
a different picture of the reason for all this. Romans 8 verse 20 says, for the creation was subjected to futility. And that word in the Greek that's used for futility, it is the basic translation of the word hevel in Hebrew, and it is an equivalent translation. It says that this world was subject to vanity, that it was made meaningless, that this world was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. So so we see that this is not that Satan has made this world meaningless, but sin has made this world meaningless. And, And there's this reality, right, that the reason life is frustrating and the reason that life can seem meaningless and the reason that we can walk through those things is because we live in a broken world, that because of sin, this world is cursed. And the reality is that creation is groaning, longing for the redemption that will come in Christ. And because of sin, because of that, we live in a broken world, right? We look around. Man, there's some beautiful things, right? That's the tension that we feel. There's beautiful things. We look at creation, and man, Scripture even says that creation declares the glory of God. We see God's goodness. We see his hand. We see uh, just the beauty of creation, but it does not take us long to see the brokenness that we walk in. We experience the brokenness. We deal with sickness and death and, and pain, and we walk through all those things, and we see sin. We, we recognize the brokenness of this world, but look at verse 21, right? He says, but that... He said that that he has subjected it to futility, not willingly because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption, to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. See, the good news is that Jesus suffered the curse of sin on the cross of Christ. Now through the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, It's by that power that the futility of life under the sun is redeemed. It is by that power we recognize that we are made for more than the futility of this world. And the gospel allows us to experience abundant life in Christ, not just in the life to come, but in this life, in fulfillment. And and he takes what's broken in us. And, and scripture says that, that, that it makes us new, right? That we, we recognize that because of our sin, not only is this world broken, but we are broken, right? That we are a mess, that, that we are born with a, a nature, right? With sin, that we, we, we recognize that because of that sin, we're separated from God. We lack that fellowship. And the reality is that it's only in that fellowship, it's only in right relationship with God that we find purpose and that we find meaning and that we find joy. And in those things, God then equips us and he, and he gives us gifts and allows us to serve him and to, to share the good news of the gospel. And we're made for more than this life, and we can experience abundant life in Christ. See, the truth of Ecclesiastes is if you focus on everything under the sun, it is always going to fall short. The good moments, the bad moments, they're going to wreck us. We never will find satisfaction, but the truth is that once we have been redeemed by the sun, that everything in this life has meaning. Everything that we walk through, nothing is wasted. God is a sovereign. There's, there's not a leaf that falls to the ground without his permission. We must understand that, that in the midst of this broken world, that somehow in attention that's beyond our mind to grasp, that we have a God who is absolutely and totally in control, who a, a God who, who is working in the midst of even the difficult times, and he's working for our good and for his glory. Uh, a God who in Romans 8, uh, we see all this uh, being subject to the futility 
humility, but then in Romans 8, 28, reminds us that all things are working together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And we see the purposes of God are not uh, derailed by the difficult things in this world. They're not derailed by sickness or, or heartache or anything else that we face, that everything in this world has meaning, that he's not wasting any of it, that even the difficult things, the momentary afflictions that we walk through in this life, that they're working. And if you notice what it says, they're working to produce a far exceeding weight of glory in the eternal. He says, listen, you've never been made for this world. And so much of our life is spent trying to get all that we can out of this world. But he says, you know what? If you'll get this and you'll live and you'll live for a glory that's beyond this world, then you'll live a life that is for the world to come, a life that is that, that recognizes that there is eternity at stake. Everything in this life has meaning. And Solomon says, you know what? If you could just get this when you were young. Ecclesiastes 12, you'll recognize this verse, verse 1. He says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no delight in them. Get this when you're young. Young people, he says, if you'll just understand this, if you'll see that there's purpose in the midst of this and that you'll only find purpose in relationship with God and anything apart from that, this life will be meaningless. And we try to find contentment in so many other things. I think about our lives and, and we're always looking for the next thing. We think, you know what? And, and that's what this world says. If you'll just attain all of these things, you'll find contentment. For young people, it might be, you know what, if I just get this new Xbox, if I just get this new uh, device, if I just get a new iPhone, if I just have this new car, if I just have a boat and a house and, 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 and everything else, and, and in itself, many of those things, there's nothing wrong with them. But when we try to take those things and we think that they're going to bring us fulfillment, the reality is that if we are not content with what we have, we will not be content with what we get. Do you understand? If we are not content with what we have, if you, if we're not content with what God has already given us and in our relationship with him, you can have everything in this world. You can have all that this world affords. This is this kind of verse. When we read in Ecclesiastes where he says, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? He said, everything, listen, it is worth everything. Every treasure, everything that we can have. When the man found the pearl in the field, he said, listen, he went and sold everything that he had so he could buy that field. When we see that kind of treasure, the gospel, Jesus, a relationship with him, it's that kind of treasure that gives us fulfillment and satisfaction in the midst of this broken world. And he says, listen, be content. And I'll tell you, there's things about this life that we struggle in that we don't understand. Adrian Rogers would tell the story of uh, Miss Einstein, who was married to Einstein, and, and they said he was the most intelligent man maybe who ever lived, right? Maybe not the wisest, but the most intelligent. And someone would say to her, Miss Einstein, do you understand the theory of relativity? She would say, no, but I understand Dr. Einstein. And you may not be able to understand the mysteries of this world, the mysteries of this universe, but you can know God. You can have a relationship with your creator. And in moments in this life when we can't see his hand, we can trust his heart. We can know him. He has revealed himself through his word and he has given us purpose. He's created us with purpose. Ecclesiastes 12 in closing. And, and here's the conclusion. You can read beginning to end and, and it comes up in our Bible reading plan here in a few weeks. But, but I'll go ahead and let you have the conclusion. And here it is. 
In Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, he says, A conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. We say, how can this happen? See, we have the gift of the gospel that has been revealed to us. And in Christ, we can be made new. We can be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that is incorruptible, that, that is undefiled, that doesn't fade away, right? That is kept in heaven for us through a relationship with Jesus, right? When we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, the futility of this life is redeemed and we have purpose. Then life lived under the Son becomes eternal life lived with the Son. See, the truth and what we see in Ecclesiastes and what we see in the midst of our world when we look around that apart from Christ, everything is meaningless. Nothing is meaningful. But in Christ, everything is meaningful. The conversations that you'll have today with a waitress at lunch. And if we could just get it, as young people, the people that God has allowed you to be in your lives and in your classrooms and around you, every relationship has eternal significance. Every person that God allows into your life, every situation in your life has eternal significance. And we are so tied up with the things of this world that we have forgotten that we are living for a world that is to come. So my hope is that for every one of us, that if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus, that you might recognize that everything that you are chasing in this world, that it will never bring fulfillment, that apart from a relationship with Christ, that it will all be meaningless. But that you will remember that you are created on purpose and with a purpose and that you are loved. Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that before the foundation of the world, right, that in love, he predestined us to adoption through Christ, that he has, has given us this kind of beauty that, that he created us with love, that you are loved by your creator, and that he has made a way for you to be able to move from the brokenness of this world with meaningless and just the tailspin of this world to relationship with him, to purpose and meaning, goodness. Scripture would tell us that, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory, that because of that we're separated from God and that the wages of sin is death. That death is separation from God, eternal separation from God. He would tell us that God loved us so much that we all know John 3, 16, right? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. We are made for more this. He's given us a way. Scripture says whoever would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we could be saved. That whoever would call upon his name. And if you're here and you're living for the things of this world, my hope is that this morning that you might surrender your life to him, that you might turn from your sin and in just faith and trust to the finished work of the cross, you might recognize there's nothing that you could do to earn your way 
uh, into heaven. You couldn't be good enough. There's no way that you could live good enough in this life to say, you know what, I'm going to leave this world uh, in, in a better place. I'm going to do all these kind of things that apart from Christ, life is meaningless, but that you are offered eternal life in Christ. And your response is to simply believe and trust him, to turn from your sins and to trust him with your life, to surrender your life to him just in repentance and faith. Scripture says that you pass from death to life, that you are born again into the family of God. And so if you've never trusted Christ, my hope is that you will believe in him this morning. That's our prayer for you. And if you have a relationship with Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then I pray that we will live for the things that matter. Only one life will tune be passed. It's a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. And all the things that we work for and all the things that we strive through and all the things, they will be gone. And they're hard to get a hold of and they're hard to find purpose and meaning. But what you do for Christ has eternal significance. And may we live for the glory of his name. When I ask the band to come, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to worship together. If you need prayer this morning, if there's a way that we could come alongside you in prayer in um, in any way we would invite you to come and just respond during this time and we would love to do that uh, you may just want to talk to the lord um, we would invite you um, also if you've never trusted jesus that you could come and it's one of our pastors come and, and talk to me and just say i need jesus i want to follow him i want to trust him with my life we'd love to pray with you and show you in scripture what it looks like to follow Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we, we pray, God, that you would work in the midst of every heart, God, online, in this room. God, that we might recognize that all that we strive for in this world, God, is vanity, Lord. It is, it's meaning it's futile, Lord, apart from relationship with you. And God, help us to see that in relationship with you, God, that everything has purpose. Lord, help us to see the purpose in the relationships that you have in our life, the situations that are, God, that are, are in our mix. And Lord, just help us surrender to your will, God, that we might walk worthy. God, fill us with a knowledge of your will, God, in our lives, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God, that we might walk worthy of the calling you've given us, Lord, that we might live our lives Lord, not in our own strength, but in the power of your spirit, God, that we might walk, God, in step in step with you, God, that we might walk in the spirit. God, that because of that, Lord, we would turn from the lust of the flesh, that we would, God, that we would be strong, not in our own strength, but in the power of your spirit. God, we might live lives, Lord, that reflect your glory, God, that our behavior, God, might bring you glory, God, because we've been changed from the inside out, God, that, not that we could do it in our own strength, but God, that we... God, we would demonstrate it as you live through us. God, in everything that we do. God, allow us to see the purpose and plan you have for us. God, I'm reminded that your will is not lost. God, it's been revealed to us in your word. Lord, if we are your children, it's not our life. If we remember those two things where we won't have trouble walking in your will. God, may we surrender, God, our lives to something greater than we could ever imagine. And Lord, you give us joy and peace and purpose as we are satisfied in you. Father, we ask for you to do a work that only you can do in Jesus' name.
Amen. Would you stand with me?
May that be our declaration as we leave this place. Father, not my will, but yours be done. And I am confident that our good Father will lead us safely home. Um, so grateful again for your presence. So grateful for all that God is doing in our midst. Uh, I do want to remind you that next Sunday at 10 a.m., uh, just above us, uh, we'll start there and kind of see where we're at in our uh, fellowship hall. We'll be having our starting points class. So if you are interested in being part of uh, this uh, family uh, in uniting with, with this church and, and being a member, or if you'd just like to learn a little bit more about who we are and um, just how, how things kind of function and, and just connect on some things there, uh, what we believe, all those kind of things, we'd love for you to be part uh, of that time. Again, it'll be at 10 o'clock on uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, you can help us by going uh, to the church app or by going online or by emailing the church office, calling the church office, just letting us know uh, that you're coming. We'd like to prepare some, uh, just a light breakfast and just connect uh, together in that time. So uh, please make plans to be part of that uh, if that kind of fits your, your next steps. But uh, so grateful again for each of you. Uh, and may we go and live for something much greater uh, than this life. May we live for eternity. May that be seen in the waitresses that we see, in the tips that we leave, in the gospel that we share, in the love that we demonstrate, right? That we would fear God and keep his commandment. And Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. May we love like him. God bless you. You are dismissed.